Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, you'll hear a different woman share her story of God's transforming love. These stories are recorded in a live setting at weekly local gatherings, where we're aiming to build community through sharing, connecting, and encouraging one another. Most importantly, these stories reveal the faithfulness of God and how He can take what's ordinary and broken and exchange it for extraordinary and redeemed. Today, our storyteller, Lynn, shares her unique experience with adoption, having given up a baby for adoption when she was just 18 years old, and now also being an adoptive mother herself, as she and her husband have brought two girls into their family from Russia. Lynn's decision at age 18 to give up her baby was beautiful and courageous, but it also triggered for her a lot of guilt, trauma, and shame. The process of healing has been a long and hard journey But God has brought so much joy and restoration through the adoption of her twin girls and also being able to reconnect with her biological son. God's truly brought her full circle. And this story is not only a testament to his faithfulness, but also to the power of a mother's love. Here is Lynn. I am Lynn Ortiz, and I have six kids. When I was a teenager, I gave a child up for adoption, so that was my first child when I was 18. And then I have Andy, who is 22, and he's married, and he is awesome, too. And um, I have Sid, who I don't know if y'all know, but we lost a child to cancer. Um, And so he's in heaven. And then we have Gray, who is 15, and he is a big wrestler. And then we have, I call them the Russians, which some people get offended, but they're not offended. Um, We have our girls that we adopted from Russia, and they are 12, and they are awesome gymnasts. So that's our family. And my husband is Scott, and he's right there. And I tried to get him to speak today with me. I asked Robin, and she said no, because he is a normal one in the family. Like, I'm the crazy one. And so he was, like, the normal one that makes sense. And I'm going to say linear. He's very linear. And um, I tend to be popcorn and just pull out stuff. So I'm really going to try to be linear today. So my story starts, I was in high school, and I dated a guy all through high school. And the first time that we slept together, I went in and told my parents. I was devastated. I was a believer then. And my parents immediately the next day called the boy over and we had to sit down and they told me I couldn't see him anymore. And it was just teenage drama. So my parents sent me to Missouri to, uh, I guess it was like a home that it was for basically rebellious youth, but it was like not, it was like not like sketchy. You know what I mean? It wasn't sketchy. It was like a Christian place. And basically it was parents that that were having problem kids, whatever. So anyway, so I go there and my parents were um, strict and I always kind of scared them because I was, I 
I was, and I don't want to say bad because one of my friends listened to, I taped myself before and I'm totally going opposite. But um, she was like, you weren't bad. You just did stupid stuff. Like, I, for instance, when I was young, I jumped in a pool and like I could swim from the time I was one. Like I really was a good swimmer. Abigail and I like was trying to get my mom's attention and so I acted like I was drowning and so some lady jumped in with all of her clothes and then it was just like it was always just something stupid and embarrassing and then I'd be like why do I do all this stupid stuff and so so if I say I was bad that's how I was bad because I really was not I was not wild so anyway so I'm in this place in Missouri and in November, like I started gaining weight and I went there in September and I started gaining weight. So I'd ask my friends, do y'all think I'm pregnant? I mean, I'm scared to death, but there's no way. There's no way. So the place got wind of this and called my parents and they're like, you may want to schedule a pregnancy test for Lynn when she comes home for Thanksgiving. And just the shame and I'm just like, this cannot be happening. Like this doesn't happen to me because my parents, like our family was so normal and like, I just didn't think anything could happen. And I've learned yes again. So my mom and I go to the doctor and like, basically he didn't really even have to take a pregnancy test. He could look at me and tell. So they put an ultrasound on me and my baby was sucking his thumb. And immediately I fell in love. Like this was, you know, if you're moms, you know how much you just love your child. And I just fell in love. And then the doctor said, you can still have an abortion. And I was like, like, I, I don't know how you can say that. Like this child is sucking his thumb. And it was just, and I usually was one that would like to take the easy way out. And I, there was just no way. It was so clear that, that he was, was a person. And so I fell in love and talked to my parents. We went home and we all kind of cried. And my parents said, we love you, but we can't help you. We've already raised children. So what are you going to do? And the only thing I could think of, and they said, you're not capable of being a parent. And you know what? They were right. I was young. I was very immature. They were right. So I said adoption. And so I stayed on in Missouri. And my mom came up and lived with me the last the last month of my pregnancy, and she was in the room when I gave birth. And so I'll go on to give birth. And y'all, it was, I was 16. I'm like smacking gum with a ponytail. I'm yelling, give me my epidural. I mean, just, it was, it was unreal. It was just surreal. And so I go in and I give birth. And I don't know how y'all felt when you had, and I don't know if everybody's a mom, but when you had your first child, but it is breathtaking. It is like just a joy and it's just a love that cannot be explained. And my mom and I were like, and they grabbed him and took him out of the room to, so I wouldn't bond. And that memory stayed with me. I just, I've really worked through that memory a couple of years ago. That memory stayed with me that I actually got diagnosed with PTSD and it was after Sid, but when they talked to me, they said, actually with Sid, you're at peace. Like there's peace there, there was closure. And they said the adoption is what caused PTSD. So going back to being at the hospital, 
they made me go to a room upstairs from the maternity ward. And their thought was like, do not, you cannot see the baby. And my doctor's name was Dr. Bonebreak, which is a nightmare. Like, he was so mean. And he was like, you cannot go see him. And I was like, oh, yes, I can. And I went down and I held my baby. And it will always be in my mind. I held his finger and I was like, I love you so much. And I'm not going to cry. I love you so much. And I hope we meet each other and come find me and I'll love you forever. And just the guilt, like leaving that hospital was just painful. Just And so I just shut myself down. I don't know if any of y'all have ever done that, but it was too painful. It's like I almost like took it and fragmented it and it was here. And... So four months later, I'm in college and I'm pledging sorority and I'm having to act like none of this happened because nobody knew. And so I was like, I feel like such a phony and maybe that's why I tell too much, but I felt like such a phony. And I was thinking if these people really knew what has happened to me and they would not be my friends. So there was like shame and just embarrassment. I felt like I was so unworthy and that tied into like my whole life. Anyways, I was 23 and I was in my room and I was not praying or anything. And all of a sudden the presence of the Lord was in my room and it was so thick. It was just unreal. And I heard him and I'm not crazy. Like this does not happen all the time, but I heard him clearly say, I love you so much. And I just bawled all night long. And he like would tell me something. I'd open up the Bible and I don't, I don't, I don't say do this because this is, you know, God does stuff different all the time. And so, I mean, I've tried to do it again. It don't work, but, (laughs) and I would open up the Bible and it would be exactly right there. And then at the end he told me, and it was so clear, I do not want you to date for a year. Like I want you to basically put me there. I don't want you to date for a year and I do not want you to drink. And so, I obeyed him and I like have problems with obedience and I obeyed him and I missed a year to that day. I met my husband. And so I think it was the first or second day we go out and I was telling him, you know, I'm so bad, but not bad. Just like I always do stupid stuff. And like my dad told him, you plug up one hole and then this one comes and it's like, you cannot control her. And so I told him, I'm like, I don't mean to do this. I say too much. I'm just, I'm like embarrassing and I don't mean to be. And so I I have to have special friends that can deal with this. And he was like, do not change at all. I love you just like you are. And immediately I was like, that's my husband, you know? And I knew he didn't love me, but I knew it was kind of like, God was like, this is him. And he did not, I don't think he got that that night because a week later I told him I loved him. And he was like, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know you. I can't say that. (laughs) And that made me like more. So that's so embarrassing. So anyways, so we go on and we get married and I'm telling you, like, I couldn't believe how good I had it. I'm like, how did, why is this guy married to me? And he totally makes me normal, not normal, but he like can pick up some slack and just, it's not as sketchy as Scott's air, you know, like Scott's, Scott is not as sketchy. But so anyways, before Scott and I got married, I told him about Jeremy. And that is what I named my baby from the verse in Jeremiah that I knew for you're in your mother's womb. And so I had written him a letter 
that basically said, Jeremy, this is a name that I called you because you're not a mistake. God loves you so much. He has you. This is a family that you're supposed to be with. And I will pray for you the rest of your life. Giving you up for adoption is the hardest thing I've ever done. And so Scott and I are dating. And I tell him, you know, I have this child I gave up for adoption. And if he ever comes back, if you can't deal with that, and I can't date you, like, if you can't deal, we need to end this right now because that's so important to me. And he told me he could. And so every year on Jeremy's birthday, he would give me flowers. And that's pretty, I mean, just he's like awesome. So we go on and we have Andy, Sid, and Gray. And um, after Sid, back to Gray, um, I get pregnant with our third. And my whole life, I wanted a girl. And looking back now, I wanted a girl because I felt guilty with each son I had because I thought of my first son. And I just felt like guilty. And so my third child was due on Jeremy's birthday. And so, and I heard the Lord say, this is the beginning of your healing. So I'm like, thank you, Jesus. This is a girl. Like, this is so beautiful. This is a great story. And this is a girl on Jeremy's birthday. I'm just like full circle. Then it was a boy. And I'm telling you, I did not handle that well. I like journal my prayers. And for a whole year, like y'all would think I was going to hell. I mean, it was bad. I mean, I cussed him out. I was so mad. I'm like, how can you do this? Like you this is where I'm hurt. How can you do this? And so anyway, so Gray's born and he's precious. I'm in love with him. Like I moved on and got over this. And honestly, and this is going to sound horrible. I love my children, but I do not like small kids that much. Honestly, they drive me crazy and they make me nervous. And the older they get is worse, but I love mine. It's like chaos, but that's horrible, but sorry. Um, So anyway, so basically three did me in. I was a hot mess with three. Like nothing was ever organized. It was embarrassing. Like all the moms that would go to school, that was never me. Like because I was scared the teachers were going to yell at me because I was like I did horrible in school. And so I was not that mom that was like the good mom, that remembered the pumpkin, that remembered this. And so I was always stressed. So here I am with three and I'm even worse. And anyways, we move on with our life. And one day, we're going to church, and we go to Highlands, and they have a fast every January. And we were not fasting. We eat like pigs during that, (laughs) whatever. And so um, our church had just been built. And please, nobody get offended, but the coffee shop really freaked me out. I was like, it's kind of commercialized and weird, but I would totally get coffee. So we were in the fast, and Scott apparently had a vision and he's not, I mean, look at him. He's not like this. And um, he has on his khakis and his polo shirt. He had a vision. He said, and I hope I get this right, but he said that he was in the coffee shop in line and he saw a woman holding a little Chinese baby and he knew that it was an adoption thing. And immediately he said, he heard God say, you have a daughter in Russia. And then he had a vision of a little blonde-haired girl. And he came and told me that. And he goes, what do you think? And I said, I think you're freaking crazy. And I know I can't even handle three. I don't like kids. And like, no, no. So the next week, he says it again. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I turn around. We're going home. Our kids are in the back. And I turn around, and I'm like, okay, boys, what do y'all think about adopting a little sister? 
And Sid had a list come at that time. He goes, that would be awesome. We'll name her Catherine and we'll call her Katie. And I was like, uh. And so, um, <laughs> so we get home and the fall before this, this is January. The fall before that, this first pure religion is this to take care of orphans and widows in their time of need had, and I know you remember that, it had kicked me in the stomach. And I was like, y'all, I know this is something. I don't know what this is, but I think I'm supposed to work in a soup kitchen. And like never knowing like how deep, which I know is so stupid, but I didn't realize really what that was. And so when we pulled up the computer on Russian adoption, that verse popped up. And I just said, oh, crap. You know, like I knew that was God confirming. I knew. And I was so scared because I still just had, I'm a horrible mother. Like from, and it really came back from the adoption of just how could I have walked away from a child? You know, I'm a horrible mother. My kids stress me out. Like I'm just a bad mom. And everybody else would act like they had it together and they'd be like, we love this. And I was the one at playgroup saying, I'm so stressed. Like this is hard, but my first baby had colic. It got better. But um, so anyways, this is January. And so I knew I'm going to go back to the May before the January. Are y'all following me? The May. Okay. I felt like I heard God tell me I was pregnant and I was just in this weird, like God stage. It was like, I was on the Mount of Transfiguration and like, I think all my friends thought I was so weird. So I went to the doctor and I saw Margaret Hudison and I was like, I feel like God told me I was pregnant. And then I wasn't. So I went back, it was May 21st and I wrote in my journal, I was like, God, I thought that I was hearing your voice. I think I'm going crazy. And immediately I heard, watch this unfold. And so we moved to January. We've had, we've looked up the um, adoption agency. So we start the adoption process. We have the home study, the home study people come in and they are like, I basically told them I really don't like small children. And um, I'm a horrible mother. Sid walked down the stairs and said, I farted. And I'm like, clearly, it's so clear that we have no control of our household at all. And so I was like, but they're going to say no. And then I could be like, that one God's got. That was just that. And they're like, you are going to be perfect. Because you're honest and real and you're not scared of messes. And so I was like, and so we started the process um, in October, we got a call and we got a referral of a little girl. So we fly over to Perm, Russia, and we go to this orphanage. And I don't know if anybody's been in a Russian orphanage, but it is absolutely terrifying. It is cold. It's exactly what you think it would be, black and white. And it just gets real, real there. You know, it, it's not Birmingham. So we go and we meet this little girl named Oksana, and I loved her. I mean, she didn't feel like my daughter, but I didn't think that it would feel like my daughter when I first met an adopted child. And Scott immediately said, that's not Katie. And I was like, what? What? And so, like, we played with her, and then I think Scott was starting to think, well, maybe I'm just wrong. Like, maybe just the reality of it is kind of scary. And so Scott and I went out to eat that night after the orphanage, and he said again, I don't think that's Katie. And I said let's just pray. And we prayed that if it was not Katie for the door to be shut. And I was just thinking, I mean, of course it's Katie. This would not happen. And so the next day we had hired a doctor from Moscow that flew in and drove with us to the orphanage. And we really bonded with him. And 
they he came in and he was going to read the medicals because we didn't get medical sent over first. And he went on and came to us and said, I cannot believe this has happened. They have lied to you. And her med- <coughs> medical records, she had FAS. She had all the stuff that we had told the adoption agency. You know, if we get home, that's fine. But to go out and knowingly adopt <coughs> FAS, like we are just going to do what we can do to protect our boys too. And so the doctor said, I'm going to step out and Oksana's in the room. She doesn't understand English. She's in the room and he goes, I'm going to step out and let y'all decide. And Scott and I just start crying. I'm like, this is a child. We can't just leave this child. You know, that is, no, God's called us to this. We cannot leave her. And Scott was like, I agree. And so the doctor went in and saw our faces, grabbed Oksana, pulled her out, shut the door. And it was so, it was so clear that it was God, but it was like, it was unreal. And that morning before we went, we had a friend that had sent us a letter that said, basically, I woke up and I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you that you're going to face some disappointment, but that he wants you to adopt. So don't be scared. And they adopted before and had a failed adoption. And so we just thought he was weird. (laughs) That's so weird. So when that happened, we leave, we all get in the car. I'm sobbing in the back seat, like shaking the Russian doctor sitting by me. And he's like, it's okay. It's okay. Scott's screaming, crying in the front seat. And I cannot tell you, it was the most bleak. It was another child. And we get back to the hotel and I'm like, God, you took me down one place that you could. It's like, I have guilt. I have guilt with two kids. And like, I, for the first time, lost hope. I lost, I've never been like that. I lost hope. I threw my Bible away cussed out God. I wanted to jump out the window and kill myself because it's like, I was like, God, I stepped out. Like I really did. Like I stepped out and you did this. Like this just brings up all the adoption stuff. And it started coming up. And that night, Scott, like I was acting like I was asleep and he was praying spiritual. Like we were fair and I just acted like I was asleep. I never heard him do that. And, um, and I'm and he told me, he goes, going through this, I have a taste of what you went through. And so when you're ready to find Jeremy, we'll find him. And Heather Johnson called me. She was kind of like my mentor then because I was going to jump out of the window. I was throwing the Bible away. I was cussing out God. And she said, if you don't think this is part of a walk with God that you're going to go through stuff, then you don't really understand. And so she said, the only way you're going to be able to get out of this is to get the sacrifice of praise. And I'd never known what that meant. And I got it that night because we got on our knees. She goes, get on your knees and start praising God. And so Scott and I got on our knees and I felt super weird, but I would be like, God, we praise you. God, you're good. You're bigger than all this. Like you know the plans for us and we're going to trust you. And it like lifted the atmosphere and I was still heartbroken and mad, honestly, and scared and didn't understand, like, what about Oksana? I mean, she's a child. And we flew home, and we still go on with adoption. And that spring, um, we get Scott called this other agency that I'd been telling him to call for six months, and he didn't listen to me. And so, but God has that sense of humor because he will give one of the people, like, where you need to go, but he'll give the other one the time. So it's like, nobody can say I was right. And so he, he came home and I didn't even know he was going to do this. And he was like, I called Lighthouse and they have 
twin girls that are 22 year months old. And one of them has a cleft. And I think these are our daughters. And I was like, no, they're not. Absolutely not. And I mean, I thought they were pretty cute, but I was like, no, I can't handle three. I was going to do four. There's no way I'm going to do five. And my dad was there and he has Alzheimer's and my mom. And they were like, my dad was like, you need to go get them. Nobody's perfect. And I was like, whatever. So we got the medical sent over. They, we got the medical system. So we sent them to UAB. And their medicals were five billion times worse than Oxana's was. They were five billion times worse. And I got I got off the phone with UAB and basically they were like, you need to really think because this is going to be a lot. You know, it looks like there's going to be a lot of special needs. Katie's going to be a dwarf, which I don't care. I'm like, I can hem dresses. I don't care about that. And that looked like there could be fetal alcohol, just all kinds of stuff. And so I was scared to death. And so I called Scott and he was like, I don't care. No, these are our daughters. And I got off the phone. And I put down the phone and I was like, okay, God, you have to show me a sign because I, I'm not feeling it. I'm scared. And immediately I hear like a knock on my door. And so I go outside and there is Emily Caddy that I didn't really know very well. She said, something told me that I'm supposed to paint this for you. Like I'm supposed to give you this, but I feel kind of embarrassed because like you don't have to put it up in your house. And this matched the girls' room perfectly. And I don't even know if she knew we were getting twins. But it like this was one of the biggest things that God used for me to be like, okay, okay, I'll do it. So we get our travel dates and we're going over in June. And the whole time Scott had not been nervous at all. He was like, it is fun. So we get on this airplane. There's this Russian guy. He didn't smell good. And like nobody talked English, I thought. And so I was like, you, you're changing seats with me because he does not smell good. So we <laughs> take off and this guy goes, everybody thinks you're spies. And I'm like, oh my God. And so like everybody was laughing and they're just messing with us. And so they ended up, we were like, we're adopting. And he would tell them. And like at the end of the flight, they all left us. And they were like, good luck. And um, so anyway, so we get, we land in Cheetah. So now the new place where the girls are, it's in Siberia. So it's how many hours? 10 hours from Moscow, six. So basically we would leave and fly through the night and it'd be the morning. Yeah, we did it twice. So we land, and Scott, it's the first time he got scared. And when that Russian guy did that, I went and took a Xanax, okay? So, because I was scared of flying. So, I'm sitting there, and Scott was like, what if I'm wrong? I'm scared now. I'm scared. And I was like, it'll be fine. And he was like, God was speaking to me at that time. I was like, Xanax, you know? It'll be fine. And um, so, he didn't speak through anything. Like, God really can. He spoke, he spoke through a donkey, you know? So, he's like... But anyway, so we go and we go to the orphanage director's office and we sit down and we get their history. And the first thing she said is her birthday is May 21st. And that's the day that I had gone to the doctor and said, I thought I was pregnant and I wasn't. They were born that day. And so Scott and I just started bawling, crying. And then we found out their birth mother signed away her rights the day that Scott heard in the coffee shop, you have a daughter. And we just started crying. And so, like, I was protecting my heart because I didn't want to get hurt. And so they brought Katie in because Katie and Elle, it was their last chance to be adopted together. They had been declined, I think, eight times. 
And it, this was her last chance. They had already moved out into another group so they could start the process of, of detaching. And so they brought Katie in first because that was usually where people declined because of her very severe cleft palate. Like in pictures, she was bigger. She was literally that big. And so she came in and I looked at Scott and he was like, that's her. And so we just start bawling crying. And then they bring Ellen and she is mad that she has to be taken off the playground. But then she got super happy because like I brought tons of clothes and toys and I immediately I'm like, we're getting dressed. And in those orphanages, they never had their own stuff, never their own shoes, never their own clothes. And so they were in heaven, like they were in heaven. And it's like, they just, it was so fun to see through like their eyes, just the joy of stuff like that. And so they were really digging us. They liked us and we played with them. And while we were doing this, there was a social worker, there was the orphanage director, and there was our um, person that did the Russian adoptions on the Russia side with our agency. And so they all, they take pictures all the time. And it's like, I'm like, I'm going to be nervous, but I totally forgot. Y'all had a blast. I'm like, maybe I do like kids. I don't know. This is like, maybe because I don't know, maybe this is God thing. And so we left, we had to sign, we had to sign like we want to adopt them. And then we had to fly back home and wait for a court date. And our court date got moved and we had bought off our kids were going to go with our babysitter and her husband because Scott was like, we do not need to get off the plane when we land in America without us as a family. We do not need our kids to be like watching us come. And everybody's different. But I mean, I think part of it was because of what was going to happen to Sid. And so anyways, they moved our court dates, Scott and I were freaking out. And it was because they told us the judge was sick, but Elle was sick and she was in the hospital. We found out later. But it all comes together. And before it did, though, we had, until we got on that plane, we had trouble. It's like our adoption agency got blackballed, so we had to get a home study. And I, anybody that's adopted knows you don't get a home study in a week done at all. But basically, they transferred stuff. And once we got on the plane, it was like heaven. Like, we went to Moscow. We stayed in the hotel. They upgraded us to, like, the highfalutin sweet or whatever and for free and it was just like and then we woke up and we flew to cheetah and we went in and saw the girls and they were just happy to see i mean they were so cute and i just i couldn't wait i couldn't believe this was happening and this was the next day was on the 8th and we went to court and court was really weird because I sat down, Scott, like, had to talk, and you had to look at the judge in the eyes, and you had your translator. So it was super weird. And I'm just sitting there thinking, my ADD, like, I love Russia. I love these people. Like, I want to be, you know, I want to respect them. And so Scott's talking, talking, and, like, the mother has only asked one question. And so the judge is like, we love them. And I was like, duh. And they all were like, hey, this is a stupid American. They started busting out laughing. Um, you had to have 10 days. Like they usually have a 10 day wait. Well, the judge and all the people in there died laughing because they were like, she is so dumb. And they walked out there. We were like, we will give you our decision. And they walked out and they came back in and they became our daughters and they wait 10 days. And we were like, yay. 
So the next day was my birthday. And I was like, God, you gave me the best birthday present, you know, like full circle with adoption. Like, this is so awesome. Gotcha day was the day after my birthday. So it's like my birthday is still my birthday. You know what I mean? And we don't stand <laughs> And so they love gotcha day. They're high maintenance. So, so we... Um, they're gotcha day. We go and pick them up, and literally, they do not bring anything with them. They ask for the diaper bag, and so we gave them the diaper bag. And but I had outfit. I mean, I, it was covered. They look cute. So we leave, and basically, they told us Katie could not eat because she had the cleft, and they told us that each of you need to take one and worry about bonding when you get home. Just bond with one to get you home. And so I was like, with the cleft, I'm like, Scott, you have Katie. And because I'm scared to feed her. <laughs> and so, and that did not work because Katie could eat and L threw up on me the whole way home. <laughs> That's what you get for being selfish. So anyways, so we go back to Moscow, all the boys come. It, it was like, a trip of a lifetime. Like we had so much fun going to Red Square. There was like this buffet and the girls would just, they had never seen a buffet and literally they ate three plates of food and then threw up on me. And it's like, it was just like a dream. We had a blast. And so then we go home and, you know, our story with adoption, it was almost too good to be true because it's been very, we haven't had attachment issues. And UAB said, because they were with their birth mother from the time they were born till she signed away her rights in January. But Christmas Eve, our Christmas Eve, she took them to the orphanage and signed away her rights on January. So we never have had any of the attachment stuff, which is just because of the mother and then the orphanages. The orphanage was kind of good. So just coming home, it's like I just... It's like, this is, I love kids. Like, I can't believe the joy. Like, I just laughed the whole time. Like, just, I would look at my kids and I'd be like, this is so just amazing, God. I cannot believe this. And I, you know, my desire, my heart was, like, I wanted boys, but like, you've given me two. Like, there's a verse and I'm scared that God will, um, and I put these two verses together, <laughs> but I didn't know that. Like, basically, there's a verse that says, I will restore the shame of your youth. But I thought it was like, there's another verse. It's like, instead of your former shame, you will have a, do a double portion. And that stuck out to me. And I'm like, you know, the shame was not Jeremy at all. The shame was being a teenager and the shame was losing my first child and just feeling like such a loser. So the girls were kind of like, they're living on this monument. This may sound weird to us of how good God is, how absolutely awesome he is. And God told me a little bit after that, he goes, okay, you've seen this process. You've seen where I told you something, and then you got to this place where it was like you lost hope, and it was crap. But you did not know why you were cussing me out. There was another family the same day that we declined Oksana in Russia, declining Katie and Elle, the very same day. And we're Facebook friends now, and she had all the guilt, too. So he, when I was cussing him out, he was behind the scenes working all this out, not mad at me. He understood my pain, but he saw the bigger picture and he knew what was coming, but he was not scared to let me have the process. He was not scared of my anger, my pain. He was not scared because it was really about him. It was not about what I was doing to make anything happen. 
And then we saw the elation of getting on the plane. It's like we'd won a war. And just, we like, even when Elvis turned up on me, I was like loving it. You know, I was like, this is so awesome. And I heard him say one day, you know what? You're going to have to trust me one day because one day something's going to happen and you're not going to see this goodness. This is a short picture of what I do. And you're not going to see on the, like the plane, like, woo, until the other side when you get to heaven. And I thought he meant my parents. And it was sick. But I had lost more hope that night that we had the failed adoption because I had trusted God and he seemed so untrustworthy then. I lost more hope than when Sid was sick because I knew that that's what he was talking about. And also I knew when he wasn't scared, I'm like, Sid was scared of everything, so this is God. And so anyways, nine months after we got home with the girls, I get a message. And Scott and I had gone on a date, and the message is, did you give a boy named Jeremy up for adoption? If so, it's me. It's on Facebook. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh. It was Jeremy, and Jeremy's name is Zach. And so Zach and I stayed up and talked all night long. <laughs> we totally, it's like we had known each other forever. It was bizarre. And he was like, I'm coming down. I'm coming down now. And we were about to go to Hawaii. And basically, we talked on the phone the whole time we were in Hawaii, which so annoying for Scott. And, um, <laughs> and so basically, and it was just so many emotions and so much. And that's really when the PTSD really hit in. Like it hit in. And basically, I was crazy. And so that comes to meet us on an airplane. And I'm like, okay, how do we tell our friends that here's this 22-year-old that's like, now my son, you know, awkward. Well, he took care of that for me because He's like a loud mouth like me. So before he got on the plane, he's like, I'm going to see my birth mother. And they just adopted twin girls from Russia. And so I was like, the Ortizas? He was like, yes. And so he called me and was like, I'm asking your friends on the plane. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, you know, we're just putting it on Facebook because I don't ever want him to feel like I'm embarrassed about him. Like, I feel, I feel sketchy, but I don't want him to ever feel it's about him. It's just... Because, you know, it's like just there, you know, like here says, but I didn't want anybody to think that I was a cougar. Like if they saw me with them, which they never did, they never did. But I felt like they could because, but they never did. Anyway, so we have been in a relationship for 10 years and it has been so hard. I totally got healed after Sid of the PTSD and... So for two years, we have had a beautiful relationship. It's almost like a best friend relationship. I am close to his mom. She told me the other day, I've had some things with my kids, and she told me the other day, you're such a good mom. And that just made me cry because she was a teacher, and she was just giving me advice on teacher stuff that I needed because my mom died, and she was a teacher. And she's linear. And um, I just cried. And so it's like God kind of rewove something 10 years of a relationship that's now restored. So God not only doubled, doubled like the shame, but then he brought my child back. And it was not easy. It was a process. But it's beautiful now. And that's my story. And now, um, so we're going to share. I'm going to stay down here. So, Zach is here. Our son is here. <laughs> so, do y'all want to share a little bit? Well, 
Well, how's that for a surprise ending? I believe this is the first cliffhanger on the Storytellers Live podcast. Be sure to tune in next week for part two of Lynn's story, which is a question and answer session with Lynn and the biological son whom she's reconnected with. Our episodes come out each Wednesday, and don't forget that if you subscribe to our podcast, then you'll automatically be notified when each new episode is available. You can also get the latest news and announcements on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us at Storytellers Live or through our weekly email, which you can sign up for on our website, and that's StorytellersLive.org. As always, we love when you share a Storytellers Live with a friend or you put a rating or review on iTunes because all of that just helps the podcast to continue spreading and reaching new people. So we're grateful for you and we hope that you'll join us again soon.